الجزيرة بودكاست McKinsey and Company is one of the most influential businesses on the planet. As their managing partner puts it, Our purpose is to create positive enduring change in the world. The work of McKinsey colleagues matters to clients, their customers, and society. They've been hired by many of the world's governments and most Fortune 500 companies. But recent scandals have shed new light on their work. McKinsey is a global consulting firm that has represented over the years the likes of Russian companies, Saudi Arabia, China, as well as the likes of pharmaceutical companies. McKinsey and company helped the Trump administration speed up its mass deportation program. Now, for what may be the first time, the company is facing criminal charges for its work in South Africa. So what's behind the power of this consulting firm? And why do so many governments continue to hire them? I'm Hala Mohideen, and this is The Take. Today, I'm talking with Walt Bogdanich. He's an investigative reporter for The New York Times and one of the authors of When McKinsey Comes to Town. For listeners who might not be familiar with McKinsey, can you just explain what it is and why might a government want to hire them? Well, it's very big and it's very secretive and it's very powerful and affects our lives and countries all around the world in ways that it's hard to even imagine. They're a consulting company. Basically, they offer up their expertise to clients who might have a specific problem. Perhaps they're trying to increase their profits or cut certain costs. It's really a pretty good racket when you think about it, because you don't need to buy starting materials. You're not, you know, manufacturing a car. You're just coming up with ideas, ideas that really are untested, and they sell those ideas to insecure government agencies that don't have confidence in their own employees to do their job, and to corporations around the world. I think companies, governments hire McKinsey because everyone else is hiring McKinsey. And they hire McKinsey because they want someone to provide them cover for unpopular decisions. Like mass layoffs or cuts to services. And it's much easier to say, well, if I'm a CEO, This wasn't my idea, this was McKinsey's. It's the best advising consultancy in the world. And how can you go wrong doing that? So they're really getting people who are, you know, quite high caliber, no? They get the best. There's intense competition at the best universities in the world. And McKinsey's at the top of the list. I mean, they offer these young people, they recruit them with promises of being able to change the world, to do all these good deeds. At the same time, you can make a lot of money. And that's a very wonderful combination for young graduates. It's also just a very prestigious company. It's the best in the world in terms of consulting. And it offers adventure and travel and opportunity to meet people who really make the decisions that make the world turn. And it's the connection to people who make the world turn that got Walt interested in covering McKinsey in the first place. 
Your investigation into McKinsey started in South Africa, right? Why there? Why South Africa? Well, I had been investigating McKinsey quietly for several years before that because I intended to convince my editors at the New York Times that this company that many people really knew nothing about was really extraordinarily powerful. And quite honestly, I was quite frustrated. Walt says the paper was focused on other stories at the time. It was hard to get the higher-ups interested. There was some terrific reporting by local South African investigative journalists. I wish we had more of them in the United States. They kind of tweaked my interest. At the time, news was coming out about a corruption scandal in South Africa, known as state capture. The ANC's Secretary General has said South Africa risks becoming a mafia state unless corruption is dealt with. Basically, it was becoming clear that private actors were working with segments of the government to enrich themselves, using South Africa's public coffers. Much of the scandal came down to one family, the Gupta brothers. The Gupta brothers come from great wealth in India. They've also flourished locally, buying property and grabbing business deals. They consider some of South Africa's most prominent politicians as their closest friends. They had a particularly close relationship with former President Jacob Zuma, who led South Africa from 2009 to 2018. Plenty of international companies were implicated too. That included McKinsey. The investigative journalism unit Amabungane says it can show that 30 million rand flowed from the state-owned rail and freight company Transnet through a consulting firm that worked with McKinsey's called Regiments to shell companies associated with the Guptas. And Walt thought he'd found his in to covering the company for the New York Times. It was a story that was ripe and a story that I could go into not knowing a great deal about McKinsey and learn about it. And so my editor said, get on the next plane to South Africa. And I did. The story of McKinsey in South Africa, Walt says, begins after the end of apartheid. Like many companies, McKinsey didn't want the stain of working with South Africa's white-ruled government, while activists in the country called for a boycott. Once that was removed, there was a rush of consultants to get into this country and participate in this experiment in democracy. And McKinsey was one of them. They brought a lot of their people in. The apartheid government fell in 1994. And by 1995, McKinsey opened an office in Johannesburg. And they quickly discovered that to make a lot of money in this country, they had to connect themselves to government contracts. One of those contracts was with South Africa's state-owned rail and port company, Transnet. The economy depended on moving all the rich minerals that are mined in South Africa from one place to another. So it really depended on Transnet to move all this and to keep the economy humming along. And there was just a lot of money to be made there. But in order to get any kind of work with state-owned firms like Transnet, consulting companies had to meet some requirements. One of the decisions made by the government 
was that to sort of spread the wealth, it was important for companies outside of South Africa, when they got a public contract, to hire black subcontractors, not only just to spread the wealth, but to train them so that in coming years, they would be able to handle these contracts without the help and involvement of foreign firms. For a while, McKinsey worked with a reputable subcontractor, but parted ways eventually over a conflict of interest. Then Transnet recommended another company called Regiments Capital. Only there was a problem. McKinsey didn't properly investigate regiments before working with them. It's incumbent on the main contractor, McKinsey, to vet these companies that they entrust the public's you know, money to. And they did not do a very good job of that. And they got burned for it. But before they were burned, they got paid. After McKinsey partnered with regiments, expensive contracts from Transnet began to roll in. Contracts that investigators would later say should never have been offered to McKinsey. Eventually, McKinsey got involved in supervising the purchase of a thousand new locomotives. It was a lot of them, and it was very expensive. So expensive that it was set to be one of the biggest investments in the company's history. They were working on this contract, and then all of a sudden, almost overnight, the the price of that contract jumped a billion dollars for no reasonable explanation. And there was enough smoke to indicate that there's a fire going somewhere. That fire ended up being with their subcontracting firm, Regiments. Turned out, as time would tell, that they were basically fronting for these shell companies that were passing on the money to politically connected individuals. Specifically, the endpoint being these three brothers, the Gupta brothers. As Walt said, Regiments was tied to the Gupta brothers, the epicenter of the state capture scandal. And the Guptas were also tied to the CEO at Transnet, who helped shuttle those contracts their way. As one investigative report put it, Regiments was like a Trojan horse that carried the Guptas into the vaults of government contracts. McKinsey told me that when they saw the billion-dollar jump, they got uncomfortable and said that they withdrew from overseeing this contract. But, you know, they stayed in touch with the company. And a lot of their contracts were sole source contracts, and they were making a lot of money without having to competitively bid for them. So it was a feeding frenzy. Regiments eventually spun off into another firm called Trillion. And even after the debacle at Transnet, McKinsey worked with them again at ESCOM, the power utility. Yet another public contract that bagged them millions. And it's important to point out that this is all happening in a country with some of the worst income inequality in the world. So to have these outside firms come in here and, and be hauling off you know, millions and millions of dollars did not sit well with the more reasonable people in South Africa. 
And to be clear, it wasn't just McKinsey. British public relations company Bell Pottinger, SAP, the German software giant, as well as auditors KPMG, and several banks, they've all had to defend themselves against allegations they either knowingly or unwittingly facilitated corruption in South Africa. But McKinsey was subject to a lot of anger, including protests. Singing in the rain and paying for the blood of McKinsey executives and the Guptas. So the firm went on an apology tour. Here's Kevin Sneeder back in 2018, who was then the managing partner, the highest position in McKinsey. He's addressing a gathering of South African business leaders. Let me start with the stakes that we made. First, our governance processes failed. Secondly, our commercial approach led to a fee that was too large. Three, we did not admit where we were wrong. And worse, we did not say sorry quickly enough and clearly enough. McKinsey also returned the money they made of corrupt contracts back to South Africa, including $63 million for Transnet alone. But that didn't stave off their problems. More on the consequences after the break. Hey everyone, Sami Zaydan here from Essential Middle East. On this week's show, we're going to ask who's sending weapons to Yemen and why. I'm talking to reporter Walt Bogdanich about McKinsey's role in South Africa's biggest post-apartheid scandal, known as state capture. In 2018, the South African government began a years-long inquiry into corruption. And finally, in 2022, they began issuing charges. McKinsey is now facing criminal charges in South Africa over this case. Is that a big deal? It is a big deal. McKinsey hired one of the top high-profile lawyers to defend itself. They angrily deny that they had any role in any kind of corrupt activities. In a statement, McKinsey said they had gone beyond their legal obligation to make amends and, quote, believe pursuing McKinsey does not have merit, end quote. I was surprised this late to see them implicated in this because they had been subject to numerous investigations. And now this is kind of a McKinsey way of doing business because they repaid more than $100 million that they had gotten in tainted contracts and made their involvement go away, disappear. Money can do that. And that's what they did. And I think South Africans were just only too happy to be able to bank this $100 million because uh, they needed it and the country needed it. As a result, McKinsey, I think, felt that they were going to walk away from all these troubles. And then out of the blue, there were some new criminal charges and McKinsey got swept up in it. Have you heard of something like this happening before? This is the first time, like, as far as I'm aware, that the company has been charged in a corporate capacity. But it's not the first time they've paid a sum of money for government investigations to go away. In the United States, they paid more than $600 million to settle 
government investigations into their involvement pushing opioids in the middle of an epidemic. That was in February 2021. McKinsey advised Purdue Pharma, the creator of the potent painkiller OxyContin, on how to sell more of their pills. And despite the payment, they've still come under fire, especially since they were advising federal drug regulators at the same time they worked with pharmaceutical companies. Here's US Representative Katie Porter challenging McKinsey managing partner Bob Sternfels in April of 2022. Look, your scheme worked really well for McKinsey. McKinsey got contracts, Purdue got rich, and America got addicted. Since 2008, McKinsey earned $140 million in contracts from the FDA, and you did not ever disclose your work for Purdue. You did not disclose your conflicts of interest. In each case, South Africa, United States, where they pay these huge sums of money to make their troubles go away, they always append the statement that, well, we did nothing wrong. There was no wrongdoing. Why are they paying all that money? It just doesn't make sense, and I think most reasonable people would come to that conclusion. Now, I don't personally have any hard evidence that they engaged in criminal activity. They certainly did a lot of stupid things that hurt a lot of people. You've mentioned what happened in South Africa wasn't a one-off. Where else have we seen McKinsey embroiled with a government to that extent? We don't have enough time for me to talk about all that. (laughs) I mean, they have burrowed so deeply into these government agencies that, you know, they actually take upon themselves to make these decisions. Now, they'll say that they're only recommending them, but they're everywhere. A senior McKinsey consultant said, look, wedge your way into the doorway and then spread yourself like an amoeba. <laughs> Just like, like, you know, there's a song, you check in, but you don't check out. Hotel California. Well, that's sort of the way they are. Yes, uh-huh. You know, they check in, but they don't check out. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and that is not always for the best. And that's been the subject of pushback in other countries, like in the UK where McKinsey has worked with the government to privatise segments of the publicly run National Health Service. They came in and they were trying to bring the US style of healthcare delivery. Now, they weren't doing it on their own. There were the Conservatives who wanted that to happen, to privatise everything that moved, and McKinsey was the way to do that. In terms of McKinsey's clients, I mean, they don't just work with democracies, do they? No, they don't. (laughs) No, they don't. They will go to where the biggest buckets of money are. And if those buckets are in Saudi Arabia, that's where they're going to go. Which they did, controversially. McKinsey and company carried out research that the Saudi government used to target dissidents. If it's in Russia, they'll go to Russia. Behind President Vladimir Putin's war machine against Ukraine sits Rostec, a massive weapons maker. It's controlled by the Kremlin and until recently, a client of a leading American consulting firm, McKinsey & Company. To what extent are the problems you've laid out here specifically with McKinsey? Is this more about consulting in general or is this about the governments who are relying on McKinsey? It's both. And I'm glad you brought that up. 
because governments should not be outsourcing their responsibility to taxpayers and the voters. And that's what they're doing. And one of the problems there is that while there may be accountability for government officials, there really isn't accountability for these consultants that are hired. And there must be more openness. I mean, that's how good democratic societies are supposed to work. And McKinsey doesn't believe in that. Their business model is secrecy. And anytime you amass amount of power that they have in a black box in secrecy, generally no good things come of that. And I think as a society, we need to start demanding more answers from these consultants. Not only explanations of what they do, but why they do it and whether they're even necessary. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Nagin Oliay with Ruby Zaman, Chloe K. Lee, Miranda Lynn, Ashish Mahotra, Amy Walters and me, Hala Mahiyadeen. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Aya Elmalek and Adam Abugad are our engagement producers. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer and Ney Alvarez is our head of audio. We'll be back 